Thanks, Dave. That was really encouraging. <laughs> so um, before we start this morning, I just want you to chat to the people next to you. What does family mean to you? Go. Abuse. That's what it means to me. Okay. That's all the time I'm giving you on that one. Okay, okay. All right then. Time to stop talking. Right. Should we read the Bible? Let's go to Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 10. I'm doing it in the New Living Translation because I'm really enjoying this version at the moment. So this is where we're going to read from this morning. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven on earth. It's great, isn't it? I am an idealist. And um, I really struggle to be satisfied with anything that feels short of heaven. And actually, because of that, I'm quite a pain to live with. Because if I'm left to my own devices, I will often see the glass half empty. And when I'm listening to God, I find it a lot easier to listen to his discipline than to listen to his grace, although God is teaching me in that area. But I am really looking forward to new heaven and new earth when everything will be made right, when there is no sickness, no disease, no pain, no suffering, no death, no building project. <laughs> Amen. And um, I remember as a teenager just feeling really dissatisfied with my Christian life. I remember thinking, is this it? Surely God wants more from me, from us. Following God for me was about believing in Jesus and going to church on a Sunday. But it didn't seem to have much impact on the world around me. I was dissatisfied. I remember suggesting at one church meeting once um, when we all got together that how about we get together on a Sunday evening and instead of having a service, we go and bless people and do great things for them to show them God's love. And uh, a patronizing smile was given to me and we quickly moved on to talk about other things. I didn't feel particularly heard or empowered in my church family at that point. And here I am, 20 years later, still wanting more than this. I don't know if anyone else this morning is desperate to see more from their walk with God or desperate to see more of God's kingdom established in their own lives and the world around them. 
discontent with the status quo and really wanting that heaven on earth. Or maybe for some of you, if you're parents of young kids, maybe changing the world is not on your mind, just a decent night's sleep you'd settle for right now. I remember going through a really challenging time when I was pregnant with Emmy. I was absolutely exhausted and one of our boys was already not a good sleeper. And my emotions were literally all over the plate. I actually, I had like a trans, I don't know what, transplant in emotions when I was pregnant. So I'd go from being someone who rarely cries to someone who cries a lot, even at adverts. This was, I didn't even recognize myself when I was pregnant. And I remember I was just feeling really irrational. In fact, I even said to David, just don't challenge me for the rest of the pregnancy. It's not going to go well. (laughs) If you've got some criticism, just keep it to yourself. Talk to me after I've had the baby. That would be better timing. Uh, Because even if what you're saying is making sense, I can't handle it. (laughs) So that was really healthy. Um, But we were leading church at the time, and I was trying to hold on to the home. And I was trying to make sure we were going in the right direction with church. We were also homeschooling Dan at the time, and Eli was very little. And um, I just remember that Inwardly, I was just really struggling, but outwardly, I just slapped a smile on my face. Anyway, we went on holiday with my parents, and um, while we were on hospital, while, while we were in holiday, uh, me and David ended up going to hospital one night because I started bleeding. And um, they checked it all out. The baby was fine. I was fine. But I remember just the thought of going home. I was just absolutely dreading just going back to, like, busyness and life just feeling so full on and I remember just crying out to God for help but I in all honesty I couldn't see where the help was going to come from I felt really trapped in the situation so the following day we arrived home safely and um, I had a call from my mom the next morning and she said Caroline I was just praying about you and David this morning and I felt like God said we need to come and move in with you until the baby's born. Would that be something you would like? And um, I actually couldn't answer. I was just, do you know, I don't know whether you've ever felt so emotional that words (laughs) don't seem to be able to come out of your mouth. And um, I kind of, I was just really quiet on the other end of the line. And eventually I just let out a tearful, yes. (laughs) And... um, It was six weeks before Emmy's birth, and so they moved in. They did absolutely everything. They cooked, they cleaned, they washed. They did all the things and more. I mean, the other day, me and David were having a clear out, and we found this special tool that they made to clean down the back of radiators. (laughs) And um, David was like, should we chuck this? And I was like, no, we might use that one day. And he's like, Caroline, we haven't used this in seven years since your parents stayed. (laughs) I was like, okay, yeah, maybe we're never going to use that. But the point I am driving to is family is important. And here I've spoke about my nuclear family, but really I'm talking about my spiritual family because my mom and dad are also part of my spiritual family. And it was their listening and obedience to God that sent this wave of help in my direction. There's such a great need for doing life with people. I'm in stacks of WhatsApp groups, 
if you don't know what a WhatsApp group is, it's like a texting thing that's where you can group text different groups of people all in one go. And um, I'm part of a lot of different ones. Um, some of my favorite ones are the ones where we are with just other friendships or spiritual family WhatsApp groups where we just text fun stuff. And um, I was just looking at Stevie there because our missional community just keep texting mushrooms at the moment, which is a, a different story, but it's fun. It's an in-joke. But anyway, these WhatsApp groups where you just text random and fun things, sometimes prayer needs, sometimes banter. And um, I have a sibling one as well, which is just a lot of banter and then with the occasional please pray for this. But we need people, don't we, to do life with, to share highs and lows, to go help at times. And um, I think just as a real need in our culture for more getting around each other. Some of you may have read Harry Potter. Um, It's a favorite of our children's and the books are actually not really about Harry Potter, although he obviously is a central character, but they're about people getting together and fighting for a common cause. It's about good overcoming evil. And on Friday evenings, we have a family movie night, and um, we all look forward to this. We get some fun snacks in, we get them home from school, and we all choose a family movie to watch. Um, but it's often around a group of people, normally misfits, who are fighting for good. We need a purpose outside of ourselves. Even if that's loving and serving others, we need a purpose outside of us. We are a church who are blessed to be a blessing. And some of the time, you may hit a rock like me, and actually you might be the person receiving the blessing from other people. And sometimes you might be the people bringing the blessing into other people's lives. We're called to journey together. We're told in Proverbs that without vision people perish. We need vision. We need purpose. We need purpose outside of ourselves. Otherwise, we feel sad and unfulfilled. Um, When we get to June, later on this year, we're going to be looking at what is our vision as a church and bringing that. But it's so important that we know where we're heading and why we're heading there. And we get to invite God into the center of all this. I'm talking about why we need family today. But basically, It was his idea from day one. And as in not only his idea, when I say his, I'm talking about God's, that family should be a high priority, but we are actually designed in such a way that we can't thrive without it. If you want to thrive in Christ, you can't thrive without spiritual family. In our reading today, it says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us into himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So let's just go back to the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis 2, verse 18, the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, just as a side... When we read the word helper, it doesn't sound like the most empowering language, but actually the original word was helpmeet. And the only other time that the Bible used this word helper is when it's referring to God helping us normally. 
So in the Old Testament, the word helper is not subordinate, but one who may be equal, and in God's case, even superior to the one who is being helped. So you can read that in Psalms 10, verse 14, or Psalm 54, verse 4, also use the word helper in the same context. And um, the word suitable actually means like and opposite. So it's like two pieces of jigsaw fitting together that are different and opposite, but also so similar. And this is what it's talking about when God created man and woman. Anyway, I just thought that was worth sharing as an aside. But I think that this verse is worth taking note of because we see God create the whole of creation. But bear in mind that this verse comes before the fall. God has called everything in creation good. And then God calls out something in creation not good even before the fall. That tells me that this is actually foundational to the way we were created. If God needed to say that even before the fall, that it's not good for man to be alone, this is core at the core of who we are, even in our saved state, that we need relationship, we need each other. God's design is not finished until we see relationship. And it's not just any relationship, it's depth of relationship. And from that relationship, from Adam and Eve, we see family is birthed. And straight away, there are issues following the fall. So you may have read about Cain and Abel, who were their sons. And um, Cain was jealous of Abel and ends up murdering him. And the relationships are already turning into a bit of a mess in the Old Testament. In fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments that God gives the Israelites, the first four commandments are about relationship with God. And the last six are all about human relationships. And even three of those commandments are all about family. The fifth, the seventh, and the tenth. So the fifth is all about honoring your father and mother. The seventh is all about don't commit adultery. And the tenth is about not covet, but it talks about not coveting other people's wives and things. And so we see that family is so important to God. In the New Testament, let's skip forward to Matthew 12. Verse 47 to 50. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my brother? Mother, who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is showing here that the kingdom of heaven, the most important family connection is actually spiritual not even physical, that the spiritual connection is even more important. And sometimes that will be with our physical family. But sometimes our family aren't always saved. And so sometimes our spiritual family is just us guys here together now. John 1, 12, verse 13 said, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but the birth that comes from God. I wonder if you could build spiritual family from scratch, what it would look like. So when I'm thinking about family, I'm not thinking about you altering your wives and husbands or children. But actually, what would it look like to live in a healthy spiritual family? What, what would you build and what rhythms 
just going to pause there. I just want you to think about it. You don't need to talk about it, but just think about that for a moment. As you know, I'm an idealist, and um, my go-to chapter of the Bible is this, Acts 2, 42 to 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So instead of that, how about this? All the believers went once a week to a service with good coffee, decent worship and some inspirational input. They often met midweek if their diaries allowed it to discuss the Bible and they occasionally ate together. They sometimes gave money away to a good cause or bought the homeless a cup of coffee. Does that inspire you? Does that draw you in? Well, look, I'm not saying this to make us feel bad because I am obviously mocking myself in this, you know. But sometimes the difference between where we are and the passage in Acts just feels so different. And I get concerned sometimes that we, I, have watered down our pursuit of God and living the radical life that he's called us to in Acts where they were all in. I want to be all in. Sometimes we make difficult decisions as a staff team. From the outset, our church can look quite similar to any other churches. We normally gather on a Sunday morning, and we are different, though, if you look at the core of who we are. We don't want to build something for you to come to and consume and then go back home as normal. We want to build a family culture where the family is the heartbeat of the church. And this is sacrificial and costly at times because it doesn't mean that we create shiny Sunday mornings. But we do invest a lot into our families, which are our missional communities, because that is the place where people are reached and discipled. And we want to help our missional communities thrive. And I will not stand in your way if you want to radically live like they did in Acts. I will support you. We're coming to a time where we're sending you all out whilst the building project happens. And then it will be slightly uncomfortable when we come back because there's probably going to be more multi-gen services than we're all comfortable with. But we are family and we live in the mess together. If you're not in a missional community and being out of the building for a couple of services is going to be difficult, please come and speak to me, David or Stevie, because we just love to help work out a plan for what it's going to look like for you. But there are likely to be sacrifices for all of us over the next two months. You may be out of your comfort zone. You may be tempted to look elsewhere. The challenges are going to be different for each of us as we move forward. However, at the core, we are not going to stop pursuing what it means to be a family on mission. We're not going to pursue comfort over values of where God is leading us because I believe that will be going against the Bible. I want us to go in a biblical direction. I want us to go for nothing short of what God is calling to as a family, but that costs us at times, and that's hard. 
but it's also full of joy and full of fun and full of depth of relationship. And that's what I want for us. So will you continue to go on this journey with us? I know we haven't got there. I know we haven't arrived at where God is calling us to. We're not even close, but we are traveling towards it. And thank you for all that you're doing your end to travel towards it. I didn't choose David in the hope that I would live a safe life. I knew that in marrying David, it was going to stretch me, that I'd move out of my comfort zone, my chance to. It was going to move me out of my comfort zone. And um, it has. We have moved to different places. So we've moved here. We moved to Nottingham. We moved to Stockton and Durham. We've moved into... uh, we almost moved into a place once before there was even a job or a house there. That's another story. It moved me to rethink church, rethink marriage, rethink parenting. But none of that was just a result of David, although he's often ahead of me by a long way. But actually, it's the adventure that God has called us together in tandem. And when I chose to follow God, I knew that it was going to be an adventure. I wanted it to be an adventure. I still want it to be an adventure. Missional communities are the place where we get to have adventure together, where we have security in numbers to try things out and take risks and be a fool for God. Just wonder when, you know, for you, when was the last time you took a risk for God? I was thinking this the other day. When did I really last take a big risk for God? You know, I want to be doing that. I want that to be normal. But transformation often happens in us on the go. When you read about people in the Bible, they are transformed on the go as they action what God is asking them. Transformation rarely happens standing still because we know we need to move towards what God is saying in faith. So even though we haven't arrived to where we need to get, we don't need to be discouraged. We get just to take the next step of what God is saying, step into the next thing that he is leading Sometimes the distance from where we are to where we want to go to feels so big and we're like, how are we going to get there? But actually it's just one step at a time, isn't it? We just keep moving. And so I know that as this building project happens, as we're moving to a thing that God, we felt God call us to do, we can trust him in that. We can trust that he will be enough for us. We can trust that he will be with us, that he will lead us. But we also get to love each other as a family in it for people who are struggling, for people who are hitting a rock with it. We get to get around those people. And if you're feeling fine about it, there might be other people who aren't that you can help and support. We get to be family in all this. Shall we pray? God, I thank you that... You have got so much more for us than we even realize. That living life with you is not boring. It's not stagnant. But that you give us all we need so that we can step into your purpose and plan. And God, I just pray over all of us here this morning that you would help us to find family here. Spiritual family, meaningful family. Family where we can be supported and loved and where we can support and love. God, help us not to be satisfied with standing still. 
Help us to take ground. Help us to love beyond our comfort zone. I feel like um, God might be saying to some people that this word family is difficult, but having a child and getting married doesn't necessarily make you a family. Single people, single childless people can lead spiritual families and can be the most key ingredient in a spiritual family. This isn't about biology. This is about choice and action. It's about love. It's about invitation and challenge. It's about discipleship, time, service, prayer. We all get to be in family. Nobody can exclude themselves from family. It's a choice. And we get to build a family and join a family and invite people into family. And everyone is welcome. Who can we welcome? How are we excluding ourselves? God, would you help us to be so inclusive? To find the people who are lonely. To invite them into family. To love them even if they don't know how to receive it yet. God puts the lonely in families. And we live in an epidemic of loneliness, Lord. So we ask you to be your hands and feet to help the lonely find a family. And in doing so, to say goodbye to our own loneliness and pain.